0: sports but we came here to win the most legit podcast that's why we know you're tuning in we cover the biggest news we underdogs but we can't lose so trust the process yes you because we got chris and anchu to bless you with the best features best stories we diving deep like a lambo leak. wake up kid and stop snoring we on point just like this beat bring the passion like the talk path in the cold get a gold brand sit back and race the cat because we start this show like right now
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Horwood, out joined by Aunt Shukana, Aunt You. Chris, how you doing, buddy?
0: Ah, you know, I'm feeling better now. Now that I've, <laughs> had, I, I didn't start strong in our pre-show meeting, but mm. now that I've, you, you know, you just have this intoxicating energy about you today. So I'm, I'm feeling much better about it now. How about yourself?
1: It's misery wrapped in despair. <laughs> the the culmination of those two things coming together is what i'm feeling uh also when you uh when you did your little spiel there at the beginning it it made me remember that that biggie small song however living better now gucci sweater now drop top the ends i'm the man girlfriend uh so yeah there were there you go wow that's that's where my head for you yeah
0: no that's (laughs) that's great that's that's what i'm saying it's this it's this contagious sort of joy that you clearly have and Biggie's a big part of that so yeah i'm glad we're just about, we're ping-ponging we're ping-ponging optimism right now
1: yes the uh, the notorious one is the reason for my my unbridled joy and optimism right. things didn't that work out great for him
0: to ohio yeah
1: one or the other <laughs> i got nothing to add there <laughs> oh man nothing to add there another source of uh, nothing but despair but uh, <laughs> it will it will all be done at some point i imagine probably maybe and it might potentially work out as as optimistic as i'm prepared to be about all of that today <laughs> <laughs> every one of those was a positive unbridled positive statement yeah nothing nothing but yeah um, look, we have uh, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in the sports world. We're in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Baseball is ongoing, and uh, as we speak, I imagine somebody has just been hit in the head with a ball, be it via a batted ball or pitched. Seems like that's oh. happening every day now. Mm. Uh, it's taken the place of the no-hitter, which was the thing we saw early in the baseball season, which <laughs> just seemed to happen every day, at least the threat of a no-hitter, somebody going at least eight clean. How do you how do you feel about your uh, Chicago White Sox? We haven't really we we haven't really talked about baseball in a while. Yeah. Um. Well,
0: I mean, they. You know, you take two of their best hitters, best young hitters, out of their lineup in Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez to start the season, and if you had would have said that they, you know, run away with the AL in terms of run differential, I would have said I'll take that. Especially. <laughs> yeah. When you consider how awful Tony LaRusse has been, I mean, he is like. <laughs> he is like, who could have
1: seen that coming
0: I know I mean but honestly he's a caricature of what I expected him to be like it's a cartoonish version of Tony La Russa out there right now right down to like the the absurd like they, the White Sox have these south side alternates I'm not sure if you saw and he's like he just looks so ridiculous and I mean he's he is without a shadow of a doubt the worst manager I've ever seen for this team and that's saying something, because there have been some horrible ones. So they're—I mean—they're, I mean, they're, <laughs> you know—they're—they're they're winning in spite of him, and I think that's a real testament to Ethan Katz, their um, their pitching coach, and Rakan obviously, for getting some of the pieces that he has. And you know, and I mean, probably some of it is that the division just isn't all that good. Um, but they've—you know—they've done a good job, and I think they're—you know—they're—they seem almost certainly postseason bound at this point. It's just that's the point where these managerial mishaps could potentially bite them and you know at that point as a Sox fan you're just hoping that Robert and Jimenez one or the other if not both are back and then they can kind of like make up for how bad of a manager he is
1: yeah no I was it's funny I was thinking about Larusa the other day uh because I had to deal with uh we we're, we're, as you alluded a drone to a driver I'm, yes I'm but I'm bumped uh but i am uh as you alluded to I, i'm moving in the near future and we're trying to get a fence installed and uh we we, we got a call this is this is all this is all gonna tie together oh, man. yeah uh we got we you know we have an hoa and we reached out to the hoa for approval because you, know, you have to apparently and uh they they responded have you talked to your neighbors no i don't live in that state have not spoken to them. Made the mistake of uh, of reaching out to one the one neighbor who I kind of knew because we had brief interaction with well tangentially had brief interaction with him when we looked at the house this is a ninety year old gentleman living next door to me um, we won't we won't use his real name so let's just call him Lewis and um, I I said hey you know this is the situation and uh, he told me without being asked that he would fight me getting a fence tooth and nail and. <laughs> alleged that there was some some ordinance against it uh, wow. and it just it, it made me think of like how Tony La Russa just has no basis and no grasp on reality at this point
0: that <laughs> I knew this story I was gonna end with some kind of like old man being mad at something that you has nothing he can't do.
1: control just can't control
0: yeah yep so yeah that that uh that's an apt comp right there I can't absolutely perfect and yeah I mean that's That's the kind of thing, though, like, I mean, I don't know, whatever. It's like it's forget the optics of just having an older white gentleman coaching a bunch of, you know, a very diverse group of young electric really players. I I mean, like the fact that he lives up to all of the stereotypes that you would expect to be attached to someone like that is it just makes it so much harder to be a fan. But at the same time, I'll, I'll be honest, it's kind of. It's kind of hilarious, you know, like it like it's baseball and there's like it's such a long season that it's almost fun at times to have like this idiot running the show and like (laughs) getting in the way And to the like, you know, as long as it doesn't get in the way of your livelihood in a certain way, kind of like you know what you have to deal with that would be unfortunate but like for me it doesn't matter obviously from as a fan
1: yeah can I, can i ask you when you watch the white Sox, how badly does it bother you that uh, that ta- that tatis guy is not in the middle of the order
0: <sighs> it hurts especially when you have days like i think it was this last weekend it was the 6 year anniversary of trading shields for him basically mm-hmm. james shields for him that's a tough one tough one to swallow obviously but um, you know, then you look at your your side of the field and you see the moncadas and the you know the Copics and and a lot mm. of the other electric players and I think generally it's it's kind of just one of those like all right you missed you missed one you know and yeah. at the time I was pretty excited about getting James Shields I'll be honest so um now they have they have Fernando Tatis Junior's little brother who Fernando yeah. Tatis Senior claims is the more talented one at the same age so we'll see about that but that. You know, you're you're gonna miss on some of those. I think every team has that. That, but that one's really tough, just because you could see how easily he'd fit into that, like that group, and how mm. incredibly good they'd be.
1: Yeah, I, I remember hearing that Alex Antetokounmpo was going to be the best of the Antetokounmpo brothers. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> hey, we I, we did hear that about Lamelo though. I'll say that. That that's true. But I feel like there is uh there's a bias that the. Everyone assumes the youngest brother is going to be the best one just because he has the benefit of the basically the combined experience of the older brothers and playing with them and being introduced to that world earlier. It mm. works sometimes, it doesn't always, you know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. No, that's I definitely don't think Elijah Tatis is nearly as good, obviously. I think it was just one of those like throwaway, hey, this guy's actually not terrible, don't ignore my other son. Someone please pay him at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah he's the uh the gory owl. who's the, Oh who's there the... you
0: go. That's a good cop. there you go.
1: there is there's always a younger brother and he's always supposed to be spectacular. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, well okay, so we touched on baseball. that's there that, we go. No no one can complain. No one can say we <laughs> didn't do that. It's been done. <laughs> it Legally been... binding. Let's talk Julio Jones. Julio Jones gets nope. traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans uh, he along with a uh, what a sixth round pick. In exchange for a second-round pick this year and a fourth-round pick next year, how'd you feel about this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I when I usually when you see like reports that oh, you know, this team has received a potential first rounder, like that's clearly the Falcons floating there, right? And like, oh yeah, m- maybe it was, but they'd have to give up a two or some you know, whatever, something along those lines, or it wasn't truly a one for Julio because they take that even if it was seattle or someone in conference who they didn't want to deal with of course i mean they just weren't getting that so you know failing that i think that it it's fine like he's he's going to tennessee he'll be completely out of sight out of mind for them um and you know let's just call it what it is I, julio jones is incredible A, absolutely amazing player you know no no questions asked hall of famer one of the probably five or seven best receivers of all time but he is mm. 32 years old he has a ton of miles. No one can call him not injury-prone, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Like, I mean, it, like, I will say that it's it's one of those rare win-wins because, like, he obviously doesn't fit into what the Falcons are going to be doing both cap-wise and, you know, and whatever else. Like, they're, they need to build up that defense. They've got Calvin Ridley. They've got plenty of, you know, pieces, and then they have this offensive-minded coach who's known – or in a system within which like it's not predicated really on you know needing two great receivers so they've got all these these options and I think that it makes a ton of sense for both and then for Julio and for the Titans like it's such a great fit because he doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be Julio Jones you know he can continue to sort of be I mean really like this no the number two which is just weird to say when you think of the name Julio Jones but it's the truth like he's He is not as good as AJ Brown at this point. He's not as dependable and he's not as durable. And it's just one of those things where, like, it is, it's just an ideal fit for him and for everyone, I think.
1: I do think that, I don't know, that reports of Jones' demise have been greatly overstated. Yeah, he got, he was hurt last year. He only played nine games, started nine games, still have 51 catches. But if we go back to 2019, played in 15 games and caught 100 balls. The year before that, 16, caught 113. The year before that, 16, caught 88. It's not like he's had these major injuries aside from, what, 2013, when he only played That's in five true. of 16 games. I think but it's there's... one
0: of those, because he, like, he's always questionable, you know, but yeah, then you're right. But he always he does, plays. He did end up playing, yeah. Yeah, you're right.
1: I, I fully expect that Julio catches, you know, I would guess 75 balls this year probably would be my over-under.
0: Ooh, wow um well, maybe
1: 70 i I did feel a little that was a little high that was
0: that was a take i appreciate it you gotta fire him um yeah i mean look if he if he plays and again because he's next to aj brown because they have derrick henry because they have an offense that spreads the ball around hypothetically like they they don't need him to catch 70 balls i don't think like all right 70 is you know that's probably what he was pacing towards last year he catches what 50 and in nine, nine games.
1: games no he was so, pacing to 100
0: yeah i mean i guess yeah i guess he was Look, i mean uh,
1: under that but still yeah
0: he won't he won't be asked to do that though you gotta think new offense you know it, a team that likes to run um or presumably will continue to like to run after arthur smith is gone and i mean it's i i i don't know i like i think that it's a really great fit for him because he's still going to play for a competitive team and he's still in the south so he won't have to deal with you know, honestly, some of the stuff when you're older, like, you don't want to be playing in the cold weather, and, you know, it, it really influences that durability. I guess, like, you can't ignore the fact that he only played nine games as a 31-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. because, like, the trend is the trend, you know, even if it's just one year. I I mean, this year, I expect him to still be very good. The 33-year-old receivers is just, it, I mean, that are that big and that have some injury history, at least, it would scare me at that point but look they I mean they can they can afford it so why not go for it this is like the kind of move I wish the Packers did and and, you know I of course a lot of teams would be smart to do it
1: I mean Julio's gonna play the whole year as a 32 year old it's let's not pretend like he's 37
0: yeah that's fair I mean I don't know I like it's gonna be hard for him though I I do think that I, I think that it's gonna be hard for him to not to live up to the deal but like at least for this first year i mean he'll be fine and then after that again you hope that aj brown if you're a titans fan continues to ascend to the point where it almost doesn't matter if julio's not julio i still think that what you said about the chiefs was i mean i just that was it makes just sense such, right it just makes so much sense and i i love that idea and i think that that i mean that's not what he's going to do but um or that's not the kind of team he's going to join but like it's it is a team with lots of pieces. They also signed Josh Reynolds, which, you know, whatever, it, like mm-hmm. you can diminish that, but he, they did spend money on a slot receiver. So they've got, it's not just one other guy. It's not even just two other guys. I mean, it's like three or four, they've got plans to do a lot of different stuff. And so the fact that they drop Julio into it, it he's not going to be asked to be Julio Jones again. And I think that's like an ideal scenario
1: for him. Yeah. He could have been super Sammy Watkins in that offense and yeah. it, it would yeah. have worked perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have a hard time believing the chiefs wouldn't have done a two and a three.
0: I do too. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I mean, it's gotta be money, right? Like, yeah, I guess I, I, but even then, like the Titans were up against it. I think I read somewhere that literally, I think any team could have afforded him. They just, you know, you got to pay the piper down the line because you have to accelerate, you know, either you have to add void years that you end up paying down the line to a cap or whatever. But, um, either way, I, I, like, where, where do the Titans stand in your mind What that offensive group with Henry, Julio, AJ, you know, Reynolds, um, you know, got a couple good tight ends, obviously, and then Tannehill, like, where, where do they stack up for you?
1: Yeah. And by the way, you alluded to the money thing. They literally just restructured Tannehill's contract to create $15 million and absorb that that Julio Jones money. It was yeah. uh, not a difficult thing. And if you're Ryan Tannehill, you do that 100 times out of 100 because guess oh, what? You're man, pl- yeah. playing with Julio Jones now. Yeah,
0: doesn't um
1: doesn't cost you any money. Yeah, AJ and AJ caught uh, seventy balls last year in no fourteen games, twelve starts. Here's where when you talk about that group, it, it's it's obviously on paper one of the best in football. Um, hmm. with with the the question mark being Tannehill a little bit, but I would argue that, and I and I hate to do this, and I maybe he just falls into that LeBron James category where it's not a problem until late late on, but. Derrick Henry had 378 carries last year. 378 carries last year. And he caught 19 balls. And that's only in the regular season. When you go to the playoffs, it's well over 400. I think he had close to 450 total touches last year. That is absurd. And it just feels like it's only a matter of a time when you give a guy that many touches. It's football. It's a contact sport. It's not like he's... You know, it's it's not like it's not like he's Michael Thomas or something like that. He get catch 122 balls, which is also super physically taxing. But you have the ability to end plays by running out of bounds more often than you do if you're a running back or scoring touchdowns. As a matter of fact, mm. Derek Derrick Henry is taking significant contact on almost all of those 450 touches last season. Oh, it just man. how long can it last?
0: And that's after a year where he had 300 carries. And, yeah, th- 303. You know, yeah, and another 18 catches, plus the playoffs. We know how insane he was in those three games. They had to play three games in the playoffs then, which are high-leverage games, you know, a lot of big touches. So, I mean, I, I agree completely, but at the same time, I just look like I'm sh- he's only been in the league three years. To me, no, <laughs> Derek Henry's been there no, forever. No, it's not
1: right. It's, he's been in the league for five years.
0: Five years, okay, there you go. All right, well, yes, there it is. Okay, uh, I mean, yeah, and then, you know, he obviously played at Bama and had some decent burn there too. I mean there's at some point still though, like hey, run him into the ground till you don't have to run him into the ground anymore, you know? Like until he's not a problem for you because I mean they've got him. Why not just why why use a half measured Derrick Henry until, you know, cuz he's not going to be there for five more years. I doubt. No,
1: no, but he, I mean he signed, that he signed that big extension last year, so what what's the risk of him just being destroyed and then being a useless shell of himself? Uh, you know, two years from now. By the way, here's his total touches by season. This is a disturbing trend. If you are uh, <laughs> if you are a Derrick Henry, I don't know. I guess it's a it's real real pro and con if you have Derrick Henry on your fantasy teams. He goes 123 as a rookie, 187, 230, 321, 397
0: oh my god that's yeah that is a disturbing trend you got to think okay you're right you gotta think that that they wean off that a little bit this year yeah i
1: to. do you think I, I I'm gonna look it up but do you think any NFL player has ever had 400 touches in a season
0: yeah I have to think you know like Emmett
1: Smith or one of those types um I'm, I'm looking it up I know I know the running backs For were sure. different at that point but emmett didn't really catch Emmett wasn't a big big time pass catcher i uh, yeah yeah they're they're okay heavy so heavy. so the answer is yes for sure <laughs> um and it has happened it has happened about 44 times hmm. In um walter payton comes in at 44 with uh, 400 christian mccaffrey actually had 403 touches in 2019
0: wow. yeah but Le- those are like what you were talking about those are those are like light touches you know yeah they're not S-
1: yeah 100 percent similar to Levian who hmm. uh did it in 2017 you mentioned Emmett Smith he comes in at he comes in at 22 had 418 touch season in 1994 uh other in the the Saints got everything out of Ricky Williams he had 430 touches oh in, yeah. in 2002 oh, that were,
0: like Curtis the Curtis Martins and yeah this is starting to give me flashbacks I feel uh, like
1: here's a here's another Emmett Smith season Emmett is number 10 439 touches uh, Eric Dickerson, 9, 441. Ricky Williams, uh, a 26-year-old <laughs> season, 442. Oh, <laughs> yeah uh, that was Yeah. By the way, that was right after that previous season. Um, oh, my God. Marcus Allen, 7, 1985 with 447. DeMarco Murray, right before he left for Philadelphia in 2014, 449 <laughs> touches. Did not get 449 as an eagle. No. Uh, we, we go back to Indianapolis. The Colts with Edger and James. 450 touches in 2000, LaDainian Tomlinson, 451 touches in 2002, well, here's a cautionary tale, actually a bunch of them, Eddie George, number three, 453 touches for those Tennessee Titans in 2000, Larry Johnson, the incredible 457 touch season for the Chiefs in 2006, and uh, James Wilder, Four hundred and ninety-two touches, number one all time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in nineteen
0: eighty-four. Yeah, definitely some cautionary tales. I, again, I there's no way he even sniffs four hundred this year. I would say uh,
1: that's but, that, that's not what trends suggest, though. By the way, Curtis Martin with three different seasons where he had four hundred and twelve touches.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, so they draft was it Jeremy and McNichols. Last year, I and mean, Darrington Evans, another guy that they drafted like yeah. a couple years ago or last year, I believe, 2020 mm-hmm. draft. I th- I feel like at some point you have to ramp down Henry and ramp up one of those guys. Like you almost owe it to yourself, especially after having gotten Julio. Whether or not you keep Henry long, you know, however long that deal is, like you gotta. I think you you owe it to yourself and the playoffs to have him operating at full strength. The problem is too like part of this is at what point do, do the games you know take on importance i mean in the nfl mm-hmm. every single game matters you know and so i mean unless you're the chiefs and you're able to just like w- roll whoever bad whatever backups out there and then even even then now that there's only one one seed like it's almost impossible to tank any game so right. the titans have needed to, <laughs> needed every bit of derrick henry in those late season games and it hasn't affected really it seems like him in the playoffs. so but again, like you add Julio, you add Reynolds, I think that that takes some of the it takes some of the likely burn off of off of Henry.
1: Well, and with Henry's touches, I think we're missing the most salient point and that is that this is a 17-game season now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. So <laughs> There
1: is a whole extra game for him to get these touches. And uh, it's it's just That's it true. must be it must be really difficult for the Titans because you know in your head all right, we can't give this guy 30 touches every week, but his yards per attempt have gone up significantly in each of the last four seasons as <laughs> he gets more touches. He goes from 4.2 to 4.9 to 5.1 to 5.4. 5.4 yards a touch on 378 carries. It's crazy. That's the offense. That is the offense for the Titans. I mean, it it's, it is the offense, but it's also like
0: it's playing off of him that is the offense. So it's like yeah, it, it is all based on him, but it doesn't have to be giving him the ball and having him take those hits, you know. Although I will say like imagine how many hits he takes on play action too. You sure. know, like that doesn't count, that's not accounted for in these carries, but like all the times where he runs into the, a wall and he has to pretend like he's running and he gets hit, you know, there's it's probably more it's probably a, even a, a bigger impact than what we're saying. But yeah, I know I I hear what you're saying, like in terms of just production, but a lot of, you know, it, this is going to boil down to you know the replacement for Arthur Smith and like how that offense runs, because I think that you you have, you owe it to yourself to you know to be able to spread it out and to do different things with different players, especially now that you've added these other talented pieces.
1: Agreed. And by the way, after that 403 touch season, well, carry season for uh, for Eddie George in in 2000 where he only averaged 3.7 yards a carry. It's not like he was averaging the 5.4 that Henry averaged last year. He then dropped to a, a leisurely 315-carry season in 2001, <laughs> averaging 3 yards a carry. Did not break 1,000 yards on 315 Oof. carries.
0: Oh, man. That, yeah. There's, yeah. It, it does, his, history does not smile upon <laughs> the, the big workloads for running backs, for sure.
1: No, Eddie George. I think we forget like his yards per carry for his career, in only two seasons. And by the way, his career was only eight seasons. Mm. Uh, it, well, eight and a, a little. Like he played in Dallas briefly, but um, we we, we all forget about that, and so does Eddie. Yards <laughs> per ca- yards per carry, uh, yards per touch, three point six for his career.
0: Yeah, I was. I feel like I really started watching football, like, you know, right around watching Eddie George get drafted and then his career. Never really got the Eddie George thing, but obviously, at you know, in college he was incredible. He was, you know, no questions asked Hall of Famer. In the pros, he was just one of those guys that got lots of touches and racked up lots of raw yards, but he never struck me as like an explosive NFL running back at all.
1: Well, it was a different breed then. You mentioned Curtis Martin, and he's a perfect example. You had the Jerome Bettises, the Emmitt Smiths, the guys who oh the, the Eddie George, you're happy Eddie George was a tone setter on all offense. He was a guy yeah. who he gives, he gives you three and a half yards. He punishes I'm so the defense. That's
0: over. Yeah. Agre- oh, agreed. One hundred percent.
1: But that that was what running backs were more often than not at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Durability really mattered back then for sure.
1: Yeah, and now it's just not even expected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's almost yeah, it's almost like shocking when we talk about Derrick Henry, that type of flair. Like, oh, you actually played all sixteen games? Wow, that I mean, that's a rarity for a running back.
1: What's wrong with you, sir? Did you not do you not know that you can be saying you have an ankle injury and taking games <laughs> off? <themself? laughs>
0: that's right. That's absolutely right.
1: Uh, exciting move, though. I wanna I wanna talk about what's shaping up to be. And this is, of course, just going to let us all down. What's shaping up to be one of the more interesting and fascinating basketball off-seasons that we've had in a very, very long time? You Some really big names seem to be available, and what's going on in Portland is really interesting. You know, Lillard comes out with that relatively cryptic Instagram post after they lost uh, in the first round, and then he comes out and his camp says, hey— you know, we want Jason Kidd. That's our guy. We want him to be the head coach. Uh, this, this power move by the Lillard camp, only for Kidd to say, no, I'm good. Uh, then it's looking like Chauncey Billups is going to be the, the next Blazers head coach. Bill, uh, Lillard was asked today, and this is damning, man, because this is a guy who has always been Mr. Trailblazer. Mm-hmm. If, if he was still wholeheartedly on board with the Blazers and Lillard said simply, I have no comment on anything.
0: Wow, that's you have no. I mean, okay, so he he obviously wanted kid. I I it seems, but mm-hmm. like, I, uh, that would not be enough for me to if I'm Lillard, based on like my history. If I'm Lillard, to suddenly throw away this like allegiance that he has, and I I mean, I don't really know what he wants. You know, he wants like, to win. Of course, he wants to win, but like to what about uh, how? You know, well, like they. I think the Blazers have done a a pretty solid job of trying to surround him with pieces you know like yeah they haven't gone for I don't I don't even know who who like would have been available for them like short of trading McCollum which I'm sure he doesn't he's never wanted to do I'm guessing
1: I don't know I wouldn't be surprised if he would be okay with a McCollum trade well to now find a, uh, find a cleaner fit next to him in the backcourt
0: yeah I mean probably now but and you know, and I now you find. have
1: Norman Powell as well
0: yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, and this is where you know all these half measures that they've taken have kind of like it's biting. It bit them again this year. But you know, like they, you know, they signed Melo, they trade for Nurkic. They've you know they've done a lot of different little things. To they've done in my mind, they've done what they could to surround Lillard with with you know with like what he needs to get where he needs to go. And I think that you know most stars would just kill to have McCollum as their second guy but you're right like the fit isn't super clean but again what I'm trying to say is I don't think Lillard was sitting there in you know any front office saying like let's we need to trade CJ to get me where I need to go you know like I I don't think that that was a thing now maybe it is but now it seems uh... almost too late like it seems like he was just so frustrated about what happened specifically in that
1: game five yeah, I think it's now a trade me so I can get where I need to go. And but I think yeah. they, this Blazers team, it's difficult to say they've gotten lucky because there is something to being able to identify undervalued talent. But it feels like they got a little lucky with Nurkic, who started showing an all-around game that he never showed when he was in Denver. Once he got to Portland, feels like they got a little lucky by being the team that gave Carmelo a chance. I just I don't I don't know, man. I don't I don't see how this team ever thought that they were going to be a championship level team unless you know short of Lillard just giving them 60 a night which he goddamn tried to he did (laughs) he He pretty much
0: did I mean I and the other the other piece to this is and it's it's not a major one but it's it's one I would say is Zach Collins just like the fact that he just cannot stay healthy no and you know it's just it it matters it like because I think that he was kind of like their guy you know like the the, the bit the one high pick that they've had in the post Lillard McCollum era, era like since they've had those two, they had this chance and then you know and and Collins flashes and then you know suddenly he's you know he's always hurt in games that matter. Now, I think that's to your point. It's sort of like counterbalanced by the fact that Nurkic took a bit of a step from Denver. Although I always thought he was a pretty good player, I but I just didn't think he was this good. You're mm-hmm. right that Melo was probably a bit of a lucky thing. But the point is like they I think they keep taking shots at the dartboard for Lillard. And when you do that, it precludes you from being able to make the big move, you know, because you take so many little splashes and you, you know, you end up spending your money and then you, you cost yourself certain assets and then suddenly you're in a spot where you don't have, you know, you don't have that next guy. And I think part of the issue too is just Terry Stotts wasn't, was not a good coach and that's yeah. part of this whole thing too.
1: And they went out, and their big swing this past offseason was signing Derek Jones Jr. away from the Heat for basically a two year, twenty million dollar deal. And I think he averaged like six points a game as the backup small forward. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. You know, like there's <laughs> that those things those those do happen. But like I don't know. I I guess I, like I love Lillard, and I obviously oh, yeah. as soon as they get the series ends, you're just how can you not feel just sad for him. At the same time, like, I, I, you know, we were talking about it. I just don't know what the move is to get him, like, to get him whatever he needs there. And I'm not sure if maybe it is just like a slash and burn situation for Portland. I'm sure they don't want to do that. But, you know, I don't think, I just don't know that. I think they're totally hamstrung. I don't know that what they can do with McCollum and any other pieces to get him a guy that can get them to the championship.
1: Uh OK, well, I'm looking at the teams that are kind of at the top of the lottery, whether, you know, and who could offer up like who could move up a little bit. And suddenly they find themselves in a Lakers situation with Anthony Davis, where that pick is much more valuable than they expected. Mm. You, know, you know, the Bulls would be great, but I don't think that's yeah. the way the Bulls are going to go. Um, the pe- well, the Pelicans would be fascinating if if the Pelicans somehow lucked into that number one pick. That would be absolutely oh. fascinating to put Dame with uh, with Zion. But what about a team like the Magic? The Magic feel like they've been trying over the last couple of years to take that next step, take that big swing. I don't know how he would feel about it. Uh, but, I felt uh,
0: like when they traded Vooch, it was basically them saying, like, we were out of this thing for the next okay. three years. Yeah. All
1: right, well, how about this one? How about the Raptors?
0: That's interesting. You know, Ujiri's always looking for what the next thing is going to be i just who who are you packaging so say they jump up you're saying they number one pick to has be to be the number, number one, pick. one okay yeah. then you know okay so it's number one and whatever salaries it takes right to match and then mm-hmm. now you're you know you're adding lillard and now what is dame excited about that like is uh, he it, going to play with siakam is or is siakam have to be a part of this trade you know no.
1: siakam be can't be a part of the trade or it doesn't make sense
0: right so, I mean, uh, here, I, I got one for you. Is Siakam better than McCollum?
1: I got one for you. What if the Golden State Warriors got the number one pick?
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Which is entirely possible.
0: I don't, I mean, for again, for what? For uh, Wiggins I, and him? And I, one and...
1: If, I mean, if you're, would you trade the one in Clay Thompson for Damian Lillard? Nah, I don't no. No?
0: I would. I don't think so. Oh, I think like, I would. I I mean it depends I guess on how Clay's looking but there's I don't think they would do that. I just think they're too they're just too wedded to Clay yeah. at this point.
1: Okay, well how about I'm the one? I'm not even saying
0: skills wise I mean whatever. There there's just no way that Clay ever gets traded now. The the
1: one Wiseman, Wiggins and a, another first round pick.
0: Yeah, I mean that's see that's how these teams get created, you know? Like because you can squint and you're like, "Oh, eh, okay. All right. Yeah, I can see that. You know, cuz you basically got two top 2 picks. Really, mm-hmm. three top 2 picks. Mm-hmm. Cuz I mean, I don't know. I think in whatever the first the next future first is going to be a trash pick, but yeah. You know. Oh, you no,
1: know, it's got to be like 2027 20, or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. Like after Steph is and Clan Dame are both like limping around at their right. whatever. And so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think that. Well, let's see. I I don't know what else you have in mind, but I think that's about as good as they're gonna do.
1: Well, I mean, then you have the option to trade them for some of these other stars that are potentially available. Bradley Beal was very non-committal uh, right after he lost. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I I mean, this once you see these guys start to be non-committal for the first time, and you see the the cracks in that that armor and that cracks in that position mm-hmm. that they were so adamant about otherwise. Then it's on the table. I don't. I, I'm not saying it's likely, but it's it's a possibility where maybe before it wasn't. To
0: clarify, I'm not saying he doesn't want to get dealt. I'm saying I don't see that like that match in a trade. Like oh no, point. it would have to be a three team yeah. trade. Have totally to be a three team trade. Right. We were and we were kind of like mulling this over or just throwing out ideas. I mean, Dallas is like a team that's is you know, and
1: Porzingis is that other guy who wants to be traded. Yep but may or may not have negative value on that contract at this
0: point. (laughs) Right. And that's where, like, so, like, who are the the individual players that have ascended enough this year to be, like, to even just be in that conversation, you know? like Uh,
1: Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, Well, can I tell you, the guy who it's never made sense to me why he doesn't play more, because I think oftentimes he's the second best player on that team. Why do like Lucas usage rate is so high? Why is Jalen Brunson just not in every lineup with Luka?
0: I don't yeah, I like Jalen Brunson a lot. I, I do too. He's he's gotten he's he's reclaimed all of the ability that he kind of had coming into Nova and so no, I mean I I would love to see Dallas find a way to do it cuz I but I'm like it's really hard to look at where they're at and see the potential for them to add anyone to Luca, like it really feels like a similar situation to Dirk. Unless okay. there's,
1: can we yeah. make a three team trade with Washington, uh, Portland, and and Dallas?
0: That's I was trying to think of that, but like,
1: so who's... so Dame would have to go to Dallas, right? Or, or Dame would I, Dame would, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so B, I guess in that scenario, Beal would have to go to Dallas, but then Dame goes to Washington. That doesn't make sense. Yep uh yeah it's
0: ugly there's really no these these guys that are available right now it's like they all sort of match weirdly where like it, they're just going to the same situation or you know they're butting into a player who's too similar to them
1: yeah i mean because you run into problems with both of the backcourt mates in portland yeah. and washington yeah. where it's just not going to be clean well if,
0: mccollum I- a mccollum for beale trade in my mind is the cleanest of anything
1: I would argue that McCollum and Beal teamed up together is the cleanest of any of those possibilities, much more so than than Westbrook and Lillard.
0: Yeah, no, that's what. Wait, you think Westbrook and I think Westbrook and Lillard are two two both ball two ball dominant teams. That's that's one
1: hundred percent what I'm saying. It's the worst. Yeah. Co- it's the worst possible combination of yeah, all these mixes. I'm saying, saying
0: Beal and McCollum have to get flipped for each other. Yeah, I think that's the I, best. But
1: I, I I think that those two could play well together too.
0: I mean, pos- very possible. I would love to see McCollum just get finally get to be a point else. guard. I want yeah. to see him be a point guard, man. I mean, McCollum with Luca would be pretty sweet too, that's and
1: kind of per and kind of perfect.
0: Yeah, hey I don't know what. Again, to your point, I don't know what you know what value Porzingis has out there, but if he has any, I, like that's that's one. What about? What about, like, a, you know, Lonzo's obviously a free agent. So, Lonzo in a sign and trade, plus, you know, say the Pels get, like, I don't know. I don't know where their pick would have to land for that to be useful. But they also have, like, a million future firsts. You brought up Ingram and, you know, and Zion not being the best fit together. I mean, yeah. something, I think, I feel like that's the one kind of, like, sneaky team. And then Miami, if they decide to ever part with any of those guys. Although some of them, you know, like Hero and, and a few others have sort of lost a bit of their luster. And like there's just really hard to see like like you said, there's two different angles. There's either the stars for stars angle or the mm-hmm. let's let's collect picks angle. And it's just really hard to see the fit with the stars for stars sort of thing, like the established yeah. players.
1: Well, let's address both of, both of those. Uh, in New Orleans, the problem is I don't believe a signed and traded player, which which Lonzo would be, what can be combined with another player who's currently on the who currently has a contract. Got it. So it would have to be Lonzo. I didn't know and, the ins and outs. Thanks, buddy. I might be wrong. Lonzo, I think it would have to be Lonzo and Picks, uh, and Lonzo and Ingram couldn't be signed together uh, until, I mean, they'd be traded like December, whatever it is, 15th, but we'd have to go mm-hmm. into next season with all of this. Yeah. Uh, In Miami... Lonzo and Picks? Lonzo That's and Picks. For, who, is this for CJ or... Oh, Lonzo for- and Lonzo and Dame are not a great combo.
0: No, they're not. No, I, I would say... It'd almost be Lonzo picks for. It would have to be like they would have had to jump into the top three almost
1: for sure. Uh, yeah. and they can't. So oh, I, well, I mean, they, oh no, you know. yeah, never mind, never mind. They they have that number ten pick. They have the. They have a four point five percent chance of the one twenty point three percent of the top four pick. Yeah, it, it would have to be. It would probably have to be pretty high too. And are you get? Is this for Beal or McCollum?
0: I was thinking for. Yeah, from a column, but even then, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, well, wait, yeah. Lonzo's <laughs> I mean, big en-
1: Lonzo's big enough to pair with with Lillard. I and he gives a secondary ball handler. I, I, okay. I would say this: Lonzo would be a better backcourt mate than CJ is for Lillard in terms of the fit. I just don't know if if that's just too lateral a trade to make yeah. to make them happy. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's dicey uh, now. But if you're talking about if you're talking about Lonzo and like the number two pick, then hey, that's interesting. We, you know, you maybe you add an Evan Mobley, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so
0: Mobley is your big. Now you get out. Now you probably let Nurkic go in some way. And but so, are you
1: getting better or worse at that point?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm operating under the assumption that Lillard either wants to get traded or wants some someone that's like. You know, that's going to help him at least change the look and feel of what they are. Let me and I got I got one four, very different from McCollum in that way.
1: For sure. He plays he plays defense and passes the ball, but yeah. um, they need l- that. But I got right. I've Go got. Oh, oh, I do not disagree. I've got one for you. And I know this would be sacrilegious because this player went to this this place to play in his hometown. Uh, what about a deal where where Lillard goes to the Clippers for a, a deal centered around Paul George?
0: I was thinking exactly the same thing with Paul George being involved because I like especially if the Clippers. I think that they're gonna have problems in this series, which could mm. this could look terrible in a week. But I, I think they're gonna have issues with the Jazz, the defense, and so
1: Conley's out tonight. That's the that's the only problem.
0: Oh man, damn. yeah. I mean, I really wanted to see Dallas win, but Me too, anyways. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah. I mean. Look, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I the, So for Lillard, it's got to be like someone he wants to play with now, right? And I, right. I don't even know who he likes. I feel like he's such a one-man show, like Westbrook almost, where he just wants to win so badly that he, doesn't, he almost doesn't care as long as it's an upgrade, you know?
1: I could I see know. him loving or hating Kawhi, probably not being anywhere in the middle. <laughs> I feel like
0: he probably loves Kawhi. I think he would thrive with Kawhi. I think those two would be an absolute, absolutely terrifying duo. Ta-
1: talent wise, for sure, but Kawhi is a unique personality fit.
0: That's true. Yeah,
1: I just don't think
0: I. The more I watch the Dame, the more the less I feel like it, anything matters to him, other than like just like let's just get this win, you know. And he feels like all it takes is him just chucking bombs, and, and he's yeah. not wrong. I mean, that's their best chance.
1: With uh, with Miami, you run into the same problems because Duncan Robinson would have to be re-signed to an extension to make this happen. And for whatever reason, they have they're and I guess it makes sense because Duncan Robinson is incredibly important to that offense. He opens everything up for Bam and Jimmy. But mm-hmm. you know, I guess Lillard could do that same thing. Yeah. Um, New York's been tied to them a lot. I'll say the team that scares the living shit out of me, Mister <laughs> Kana, is the Boston Celtics. Oh, boy. Because Jalen Brown's just sitting there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe even Kemba, honestly. The exact kind of
0: trade that we talked about at length last week that Danny Ainge just never, ever pulled the trigger on. Yeah. Would they find a way to do it?
1: Well, let's see. So, Dame makes a ton of money. I think he's he's at 50 in a couple of years. We were talking, yeah. Do you remember? I think it was
0: last offseason, probably, just like the absurdity of how much his money escalates here in a few years yeah he has
1: two straight years of 50 i think you're paying him 50 as a 35 year old um let's see where are the uh, and that's why i texted you while you're looking for that what that's why i texted
0: you like that i know you're right yeah i mean someone will trade for him of course but at what point does that money become like? Oh my God, this dude—he's going to be making billions of dollars. Like, look at—I don't want to compare him directly to Russell Westbrook, but yeah, like he's a year away from being kind of similar in in terms of like. Now you have to think about Damian Lillard the contract
1: more than Damian Lillard the player at some point, right? And like, uh, yeah, I, so he's okay. It's he's it's an interesting situation he finds himself in. I'm trying to pull up the multi year for for other teams. So Dame is signed for one, two, three more years leading well, with the last year being his age 34 season. And that, by the way, he's making $48.7 million. But um, <laughs> but it's it's bad. not hard to believe that Lillard's still going to be Lillard at, in, as a 34 year old because his game's not based upon athleticism. Maybe there'll be a minor step back, but he should still be a very, very good player. Um, yeah. So next year, I'm sorry. Okay, never mind. Uh, he signed for four more years, actually, which makes him more valuable to me because it still ends with a 34 season. 21-22 is next year. 39-42, uh, 45-48. Basically jumps $3 million every year. We'd have to match 39.3 within 15%. Uh, next year... Oh boy, this isn't going to be easy as I thought.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, 15% of $40 million is like... No, it's going to go the other way. Um oh, yeah. So Kemba makes 36 and and Jalen Brown makes oh, twenty six, so they're combined. To, that's sixty two million dollars right there. The fifteen percent of thirty nine still only takes us to what forty four. So we would add, need to add about eighteen million dollars on Portland's side to make those two match up. Uh, you could do that with Mellow. Is Mellow uh, still there? He Mellow. He I don't think the- I don't think he's got that significant a uh, a contract for next year. Fourteens for next year. Powell gets you close, but he would have to pick up. He, that's a player option, so never mind. He's no no way in the world is he doing that. Uh, Covington actually gets twelve point nine, which brings you right about there. So Covington and Lillard for Kemba and Jalen.
0: Yeah, I don't I know. I don't. I'd much really? rather go picks and Lonzo or picks and um, you know. One or the but, other, or like get yourself cap space. I don't know. I, I don't but what, it all depends what, on
1: what O'Shea's goal is too. This exactly. we don't know if we don't know if this is a Kawhi situation where they just want to try and compete. Because if they're trying to compete, Kemba, CJ, Jalen Brown, uh you know, that's Mello and Collins. Nurkic, not, that's not bad.
0: Collins coming back, yeah. I mean it's not bad, it's not good. <laughs> Brown it's like Brown cringy. would need to take another step. Yeah, he really would, and I know you. You know, last week you were talking about him quite a bit. Like, and he is good. He's a good player. I just, I think you can do better. I think you can get a better player than Brown. I mean, whether it's, I, I don't know. Like, I love the idea of the Pelicans and this whole thing because it, the more you talked about that money with, with uh, Dame, the more I'm thinking like, if he gets moved, he's got to go to somewhere where they can they can swallow that with a guy who isn't going to get that big number before then you know
1: yeah i just want to see if it's even feasible because it couldn't be lonzo if it's a sign and trade because he's he's not going to get anywhere close to that third that 39 number no so you would have so they would have to be able to they'd have they need to be about 16 or 17 million dollars under the salary cap to make that work um all right new orleans they don't
0: have anyone though (laughs) like do they uh they they they
1: ingram makes a ton okay uh and and Stephen adams is another guy all right so what ingram hold on uh multi-year they've got right now their allocations they're over the cap next year so oh damn i yeah, have no idea who's who are they paying <laughs> one if they're at 131.8 2021 oh no that's this year uh i'm a liar they are slightly under the cap but lonzo's a restricted free agent josh hart's a restricted free agent james johnson unrestricted actually it's not that bad uh i believe the cap's gonna be what 108 or is it 111 next year i don't 100 remember that not sure yeah if it is well i if it's if it's 108 it doesn't work and actually it it, it would be tough be oh it can go 15 either way so never mind um yeah i think you could probably make that i think you could probably make that work with alonzo sign and trade plus uh plus um a draft pick or again or there's ingram 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 is easier to do yeah ingram ingram a pick and you know a guy like okay how about this how about ingram jackson hayes and their first round pick
0: there you go I mean that's as good as you're gonna do for him. I like that would actually be a very fair trade. I actually I don't even think New Orleans does that.
1: Just oh, I, like, I think you should do that if you're New Orleans.
0: I would. I would. You would. I don't know that Griffin's doing it. You know, and I think that. Ah <sighs> man, I. Phew, that would be a really nice fit for everyone. I think. And then the other oh, yeah. thing is with that, you could even. You don't. So in that scenario, you're you know you're hitting the cap, right? You can't resign Lonzo at that point.
1: No, so you you'd could, be able to. You'd be able to go for the cap to resign Lonzo.
0: Okay, well there you go. Either you you'll, either you do that, or you know, now you flip Lonzo for somebody else and and do a similar type of trade there with, I maybe maybe you get your own super team. Go get Beal with Lonzo or something. Or no, well, that doesn't. How about how, how about play.
1: Porzingis? Yeah, Porz. I mean that his contract's not great, so he might even be an asset that comes with him. But if suddenly you're talking about. Cause you need spacers for Zion and Stephen Adams is not that guy. Well, I love Stephen Adams, but he's he is not that guy. Your lineup all of a sudden Damian Lillard, uh, Nick. I guess it would be Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, oh God! Actually, there's some <laughs> question, question mark, question mark, question mark, Zion, uh, Zion and then and uh, and Porzingis. That's not that is kind of interesting.
0: It. I mean, again, it all boils back down to Lillard, and then you fill everything else out. I honestly, in that offer you said with Ingram, I don't necessarily think they have to give up Hayes. I mean, you can if you want. I don't. I don't know. I, I could see Portland being tantalized with the ability there and just wanting like, if they keep McCollum, they want to keep the you know they want to have like a piece they can use. Maybe Hayes has more value to them, but you know, there's I, there's things they can do there for sure. If they or if you keep Lonzo, you know, now you got Lonzo and Lillard. You, I, I don't think, think that's a. They fit, they fit. They're fine. We were just talking about maybe Lonzo for in a McCollum deal. So, I think there's, I, I don't. They're to me the sleeping giant. Here's the the Pelicans. They've got the assets. They've got the players on hand now, for if for whichever one of those two avenues that we talked about, if if Portland wants to do it. At the so end of the day, I just don't know if they move on. But yeah.
1: Yeah. So that that lineup then would be Lillard at point, Lonzo at the two. You know, somebody at the three, Alexander Walker, or you know, uh, God, I don't know. It's probably Alexander, Alexander Walker. Quite frankly, yeah, Some a shooter, people. a three and D shooter, sure. Yeah. Um, Zion at the four, and then Stephen Adams slash Jackson Hayes at the five. That is, that's, yeah. that's solid. That that's. Can...
0: Yeah, I mean, you with the right, with good coaching, I mean, that team could win the West in the next few years. Yeah, like not right now, not right away, probably. Which is what Layla... or maybe it would. I don't
1: know. It depends how quickly Zion's able to ascend, but yeah. That is my question, and this will be the last thing we're going to hit because we do have to get out of here. What are your expectations for Zion at this point? What what player do you... What, what does he become at his peak? My
0: it, He's... He, like, my opinion of him has basically not changed <laughs> since he came into the league. You know, he's mm-hmm. been exactly, I think, what most of us expected, which is just, like, when he plays, he's such a unique force, but... Mm-hmm he's he's banged up constantly he's so odd he's such an yeah. odd fit and, and never plays
1: similar. big minutes
0: never plays huge minutes by design in part mm-hmm. but also just like you know i i just i don't know if he's not in shape or what I, like he's just he's, he's not in shape
1: a, we can see that
0: yeah but i mean there's just there's more to it there there's like he's it's like he's still learning the game you know and it, Maybe at some point he puts it all together like Giannis or whatever. Or like, I mean, like Giannis, he just, he has a certain ceiling that he's not able to break through. But like, it's, you know, I, I don't think he'll ever be that good just because he, he's not as, he's not as long, obviously. And so right. it's, I don't know. I That, he's, he's like, he, you know, we all know. He dreams of being Barkley, but he'll just never quite be that good. So what does it <sighs> make him? I don't know. Third best player on a champion, probably.
1: I mean, his, I know the there's some there's some things we're not talking about in these numbers and the numbers don't tell the whole story but play 61 games 33 minutes a game 6 you know 61% from the field 30% from three is not great um but almost 70 from the line 27 points a game oh, man. that's wild yeah like, <laughs> that's so I, I, I don't does he ever does he ever score 27 points a game again
0: No, I don't. I don't think so either. Wait, twenty-seven per forty-eight.
1: No, it's twenty-seven total. Jeez, in thirty-three minutes. Yeah, like his uh, his per he's his per thirty-six is twenty-nine point three points per game.
0: Wow, that's I would not have guessed that. That's just, but that's like a function of him not playing that much, you know, because like. If you stretch him out for forty minutes, he's not going to score that much. I, don't, I just don't think he's physically capable of it.
1: No, he gets you in, like he gets you another three points a game if he plays another ten minutes a game.
0: Right. That's still a, a very good player, of course.
1: Oh, of course, and, but but you know, a, a tough player to build around as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I should I should amend that. I don't know if he's the third best player. Maybe he's like with a really great player, he's the second best. But like
1: oh, like man. like Damian Lillard, for instance. Yeah, yeah, well,
0: <laughs> probably. I Well, I'm thinking about, like, I'm thinking about the Nets right now and that they're, you know, right now they look like the best team in the league even without Harden, mm-hmm. and so is he better or worse than, like, Kyrie? Like, if you put him with Durant, the way Durant's playing, yeah, they could win, but it's, like, he would need to be, I think he would need to be, uh, I don't think that team wins a championship, I guess is what I'm getting to, with with Lillard and Diane as the four.
1: If you're asking me, you know, in a vacuum, personalities aside, I can give you Kyrie Irving or I can give you Zion Williamson to go w- try and win a championship as your, what, second best player, third best player. I'm taking, yeah. Ky- I'm taking Kyrie 100 times out of 100.
0: Well, if he, you, you caveated the hell out of that, though. For sure. If you, you can't, you can't isolate Kyrie's personality from Kyrie. So if you, yes, if you have both of them playing the amount of minutes per game that they've probably averaged for their career, yes, I will take Kyrie as well.
1: I mean but, Kyrie also 27 points a game this year but also shot 40% from 3, 90% 92% from the line, gives you oh six assists, God. gives you a steal. We don't we don't talk about how good Kyrie is because we talk about all the nonsense that Kyrie brings, but he's an unbelievable basketball player.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right about that. You're absolutely right about that. And Zion has the potential to be an unbelievable basketball player too, but the problem is the unbelievable with him is we haven't seen it. You know, we haven't right. seen it for more than a few, you know not a handful of minutes but you know 30 whatever minutes a game we need to see it for a lot of games for a full season and it's just i don't know yeah it's hard to squint and see it
1: it'll be very interesting to see what his numbers look like in terms of games played and minutes played per game when we go back to a full 82 game season next year or an 80 game season if that's what they end up doing with the play-in tournament
0: yeah yep for sure and yeah I, i would love to see him play with lillard though i if nothing else it'd be absolute must
1: watch yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that is it. We went a little longer than we wanted to, but fun show. That's it for this week. For Anshu Kana, I'm Chris Howardell. This has been The Underdog. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.